Welcome to the Statesman Journal's Explore Oregon podcast. I'm your host, Zach Ernest, and in each episode, we highlight Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places, along with how to get out and explore them. This podcast is brought to you by the American Forest Resource Council, supporting responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest. Learn more at amforest.org. We're also supported by Visit Tillamook Coast, a land of ocean and forest just an hour from the Willamette Valley with a new recreation map you'll hear about later in the show. Finally, the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department encourages Oregonians to come out and experience the changing seasons, but also be well prepared for whatever winter brings. Remember that you can always visit tripcheck.com to see what Oregon's mountain roads look like before heading out. And being prepared for snow in the mountains ties right into our topic for today, which is all about the best way to get started, and specifically how to get kids started with downhill skiing and snowboarding. But first, here's some guitar music to get us rolling. Alright, in today's episode, we are going to talk about downhill skiing with Tyler Barnes, the lead instructor at the largest ski school in Oregon at Mount Hood Meadows. The inspiration for this podcast is the fact that, as I've talked about a number of times, I have two young daughters that I love taking into the outdoors with me. And for the last two winters, I'd meant to start them on skis, but it just didn't happen. The reason was pretty simple. I got away from downhill myself for quite a few years, and the idea of jumping back into that world with all the gear, the lessons, and the expense with two kids was pretty intimidating. But this year, I finally bore down and made it happen, and it has been fantastic. Both kids love it, and even more, I love them learning the skills on their own, discovering their own confidence and agency with every turn down the mountain. In this conversation, we touch on everything from what age to get kids out on skis, how to navigate those equipment challenges, and perhaps most important, how to keep it as economical as possible. Because skiing is not the cheapest sport out there, but it might be the most fun. All right, here's the interview. All right, today we're thrilled to be welcomed by Tyler Barnes, who leads Oregon's largest ski school at Mount Hood Meadows and has been teaching skiing for over three decades. Can't imagine anyone better to have this conversation with. Tyler, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. All right, Tyler. Well, we are going to talk about a bunch of things involved with downhill skiing with a special emphasis on how to get kids onto the slopes. And we'll hit on adults as well, but mainly kids and some of the best and most economical ways to make that happen. But Tyler, I wanted to start here. If you're a family that loves the outdoors, loves to go camping, hiking, maybe fishing, but you haven't made the leap to downhill, maybe because it seems intimidating or expensive or there's a lot of gear, what's, what's your pitch? What's, why make the commitment to take up downhill skiing or snowboarding with your kids? Uh, well, downhill skiing and snowboarding is one of the best things you can do in the winters in Oregon. All that rain that falls in town is snow on the mountains. So it's a great way to take advantage of all that moisture. Um, and if you're a kid, uh, you love playing in the snow. So, you know, skiing and snowboarding is just playing in the snow. 
All right, so we're going to touch on adults and, you know, adults getting into skiing kind of towards the end, but we are going to focus a little bit on kids here because as a parent in the process right now, I found it a really rewarding and kind of overwhelming experience. There's a lot to navigate, but if you do, teaching, you know, your younger kid to ski, it really gives them a big boost of confidence, I found. It gives them an agency that they might not get you know, following, just following you on a hike or just sitting in a raft or even camping. Like I like that with skiing, it's kind of all on them. So Tyler, in your years of ski instructing, what benefits have you seen that come with learning to, to ski and snowboard at that age? Uh, well, that is, uh, some great observations you've made so far. And, um, yes, uh, when kids learn to ski or snowboard on their own and can do it on their own, it is extremely gratifying. Uh, snow sports is an individual sport, so it's not a team sport. So there are li little um, milestones and hurdles and successes that can happen uh, every time you go skiing or snowboarding, whether that's, um, you know, riding the ballroom carpet and uh, getting off without falling or making your first turns uh, or adventuring into some slightly deeper snow and having a good time with that. There's all these little challenges and experiences that await uh, young people. And it's it's a great to see them uh, be successful at those things and the smiles on their face and the independence that it um, gives them uh, are all, all worth the effort. Yeah, I really like that combination of, you know, you got to learn, you know, there's different stages, milestones like you talk about, but then it's also really fun too. And so, I mean, I'm sure this is true of a, a lot of sports, but like downhill skiing, I mean, it's really fun, but it's also like something that can be a nice challenge. I just, I like that combination with it. Yeah, totally agree. And I don't know of any other uh, sport that gives you the kind of freedom that skiing and snowboarding does, as well as just the beauty of being in the mountains in the winter. Um, you know, at Mounted Meadows, you're sliding on the slopes of Oregon's tallest volcanic peak. And so there's just, there's so much to take in in that whole experience besides just the sliding around on snow. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so let's jump into the detail. So one of the big questions that I had with my kids was what age to try and make it happen. Now you see parents up on the slopes all the time with really young children. A lot of times they're just kind of sliding between their parents' legs. But if you're someone who's new or you're kind of returning to skiing, what's a good age to start bringing your kids up there so they actually get a lot from the experience? Great question. Uh, so my uh, oldest daughter, uh, we started her as soon as she could walk. So if, if kids can walk comfortably in the snow, then they can start to play around in the snow with skis on. Um, we started her at 18 months uh, with just the little plastic skis so she could get exposed to, you know, being outside, walking around with these things on her feet and all of that. So as soon as they can walk, they can start to get exposure to it. Um, I would say we, we offer a product now, which has been very popular. It's called the Parent and Me Lesson. And it is a lesson product for kids ages three to six, where the parent participates in the lesson with their child. Um, and we were very cautious with our uh, first child. And so, you know, uh, relinquishing control of our, our child to someone else was not something my wife and I wanted to do. So the parent and me lesson 
works out great because you can spend time with your child, you know, kind of catering to their, um, their own needs. And then also have an instructor there that is sharing with you, you know, best practices, how to get kids sliding, how to put skis on without having all the snow stuck to the bottom of their boots, you know, all these little tips and tricks. So I would say, you know, if you're comfortable to get them out in the snow as soon as they can walk, because there's mittens on and goggles and all those things. And then once you're ready to start um, sliding independently, uh, three is a good age to start. So I'm, I'm curious about that, because at that young age, can they can they make progress in the same way? So I'm, I'm just going to give you my background a little bit. Like I, my seven year old, it was her first year uh, doing it. And I found that she was able to pick it up pretty darn quick. The five-year-old likes it a lot and she can get down the hill and stuff, but I think it's taken her longer to, to figure out the edges and, and the strength for it. So I guess I'm just curious about that dynamic. Like what can they really do at those really young ages? Like, can they, can they actually like learn turns and stuff like that? Or is it just getting them comfortable out there? Uh, those are great questions and it depends on the, the individual child, right? I mean, some children are more skilled than others. Uh, it seems like, um, again, it's, it depends on the individual child. And I would say that the reason why kids go skiing or snowboarding is to have fun. So if, if that is your goal, if, if you come at it with the idea from the kid's perspective to have fun, then every lesson, regardless of what they're doing, every day you go skiing or snowboarding is a success. Yes, as a parent, you want to see them develop skills and be able to turn and get, you know, get up from a fall on their own. And those things happen over time as a child develops muscular motor skills, um, strength to be able to pick themselves up, those kinds of things. So yes, your observations are accurate. You know, five-year-olds are going to require a little bit more help. Um, mm -hmm. Your seven-year-old, you know, she's in first grade. She's used to being away from her parents. She has to navigate the world more independently than the five-year-old does. So you will see skill development happen um, more rapidly in the seven-year-old. Yeah, no, and, th and that makes sense. And, you know, the five-year-old loves it too. It's just, it, it's sort of interesting. Um, like, do you have a lot of parents that come out there with expectations like even with really young kids that like oh you know she's going to be on the lift you know they're going to be they're going to be skiing right away i just wonder about like the expectations for young kids because you know a lot of them are are very very young or you know aren't even in kindergarten yet yes parents tend to have uh, unrealistic expectations of their incredible children um <laughs> uh, you know i'm i'm the same way uh but that said yeah we do we do want to have parents bring kids up as soon as they express interest and as soon as they're having fun. If you start kids skiing or snowboarding before the age of 10, they're likely to do it for the rest of their lives. And the kids that start even younger don't know what not skiing is. And so that is even a greater draw towards them skiing their whole life. Because if they learned so young that they don't remember what is not skiing or not snowboarding, they'll come forever. And it's, yep. it's such a great, um, you know, like I said, it's a great winter sport. There's lots of exercise. I mean, the fresh air, everything. It's just there's so many benefits to it. All right. So one of the, the bigger hurdles I think a lot of people face uh, is navigating the gear. 
So it, it's not super cheap, and there's just so many ways to do it uh, is something I've found as I've kind of gotten into this. I mean, you've got newer used gear that you could buy. Uh, you can rent gear up at most ski areas, and there's kind of a fun option where you can do a full season rental, which is what I ended up doing. Local gear shops have them. I'm, I, you know, I suspect a lot of ski areas have it as well. So what's your advice on how to navigate that kind of minefield of gear, how best to do it, just because there's a lot of upside and downside to each of those options? So a gear swap is a great option if there is one in your community, but be aware that, you know, you don't want to get a piece of equipment that is very outdated and you should have um, that equipment um, adjusted specifically for your child's um, uh, boot size and their height and weight and their skill level. Cause uh, you don't want to have equipment that could potentially injure or, or like a skis not released, for example, when you fall. So if you get used equipment, have it checked out by a, by a shop. The rental equipment is a great option uh, because, you know, like every good parent, you always buy things just a little bit too big so that they, your kids can grow into them. Uh, but with rental gear, uh, the benefit is you can get the correct size for the day. So rentals is a great option because it's going to be the best fit. It's going to be the most current equipment. It's going to be teched for the right release value. Um, and you don't have to carry the equipment to and from your car. So uh, if you do rentals at the mountain, we, we do also offer a season rental as well. If you're going to come skiing and snowboarding, you know, if you, for example, if you're coming up for a lesson and you're getting rentals, typically, you know, we have that all ready for you when you arrive. Uh, but if you're going to ski in between lesson dates, then having your own equipment with you, like a season rental, uh, might be helpful. But the good thing is, you know, it's all brand new equipment. It, it fits perfectly. And if if for some reason, mid-season, if your child's shoe size changes and they need to go to the next size up, uh, it's no problem. You can just swap out the uh, the smaller boot for uh, for the next size up. Yeah, you know, we I think we did it. We did a combination of that. We started off with because I wanted to make sure that they they were into it and they liked it. So we rented uh, the first two times, and then yeah. they enjoyed it so much. I was like, well, you know, I want to just have this gear and be able to do this um, and have it be a little easier. So we did the the season rental for that reason that you're talking about. That I mean, they're they're growing pretty fast. Um, yeah. So I just figured it, and it's you can get some good values um, at that price. So yeah. And one other thing that one other thing that happens too is. Um, you know, uh, kids, they see their friends uh, doing the other discipline, like snowboarding, for example. And so they might be like, hey, can I can I drive snowboarding this time? You know, and so you can just trade out the equipment at the rental center and get snowboard equipment, for example, if they want to try that out. So there's a couple other pieces of gear that I wanted to touch on just because, again, you know, if you're talking to people who haven't done it so much a lot of this stuff you, you don't naturally know good jacket and snow pants are kind of obvious uh, a base layer i feel like is important and then helmet and goggles were two that i kind of forgot about and then luckily uh, the ski area had some i could just buy up there but anything else you'd want to touch on as far as gear side as you know getting getting all ready to go yeah i would say um you know modern uh snowboard boots and modern ski boots are plenty warm so wearing two uh, pair of socks is not necessary. So just a nice uh, mid, mid weight to thin uh, sock is really the best type of sock to have. Um, you can have a fluffy warmer sock to wear to and from 
Um, the car, that's fine. But inside the ski boot or inside the snowboard boot, just one pair of socks. And I would encourage uh, parents to bring uh, several pair of mittens or gloves because uh, kids tend to like to play in the snow, whether that's building a little snowman or making snowballs to throw at their parents. But the gloves and the mittens tend to get um, tend to get wet and cold hands are a sure way to have a bad time. So having an extra pair of uh, gloves or mittens is really uh, an essential piece of equipment to have in your gear bag. Yeah, speaking from experience, that is fantastic advice. Um, yeah, you don't want to have wet hands. That, that gets kids grumpy really fast. All right, we're going to take a quick break here to hear from our sponsors. When we return, we'll have more with Tyler Barnes, the lead ski instructor at Mount Hood Meadows, including advice for how adults can get into skiing. I'm Travis Joseph. I grew up exploring Oregon's forests, mountains, lakes, and rivers with my family. Today, I lead the American Forest Resource Council. My love of the outdoors inspires me to advocate for better stewardship of our public lands and natural resources. At AFRC, we value protecting Oregon's forests and the benefits they provide to all, clean air and water, healthy wildlife, top-notch recreation, and renewable climate-friendly wood products. We're proud to sponsor the Explore Oregon podcast. Learn more about us at amforest.org. All right, our newest sponsor is Visit Tillamook Coast, a land of ocean beach, ancient forest, and a shocking number of beautiful places you might never have heard of, all centered around towns like Manzanita, Pacific City, and Tillamook. This is a beautiful area to visit, and the best way to plan a trip here is by looking at their newly created trails and recreation map. The map features 800 different sites from campgrounds to beaches to hiking trails. My favorite thing about the map is that it breaks down activities into 13 categories. So say you're looking for a campsite. Just click on the drop-down menu and 22 different campsites appear, and you can get information on each one. If you're looking for a hike or a way to get on the water, the map has 40 different trails and 48 boat ramps, all laid out on an easy-to-navigate digital map. To find the map and get started, visit tillamookcoast.com recreation hyphen map. All right, welcome back. Okay, so say you've got your gear, you've got your equipment, the kids are bundled up in just the right amount of warm clothing. What's next? Would you start trying to get them comfortable sliding down the bunny hill? Like maybe take a day going up the magic carpet and then sliding down and maybe falling down and kind of getting used to it? Or would you get them some kind of lesson right off the bat just so that they're learning the best techniques right away and not, not getting bad habits? How would, you, how would you go about that? Yeah, great questions. Um, so again, it depends on your child and their comfort level being away from parents uh, and their age. We kind of have a joke going around. It's not a joke, but it's a it's a one-liner, and that is uh, friends don't let friends teach friends, and uh, <laughs> that applies to parents teaching children. Uh, there's a different dynamic between uh, your teacher and the child and a parent and the child. So uh, when a when a child is with their parent, they tend to be, you know, a little bit more fussy. Uh, they tend to expect their parents to help them a bit more. Whereas when they're in a classroom setting, at, like at school or in a classroom setting in ski school, uh, they're going to behave more independently. And 
tend to be less uh, less fussy and uh, less depending on the teacher to help them. So um, having a having them in a lesson is helpful. And the Parent to Me um, product that we offer is awesome. Uh, we have some teaching aids in the Parent and Me lesson. It's basically a PVC pipe uh, that's in the shape of a T that the child can grab a hold of like handlebars, like riding on a scooter or riding on a bike. And you can tow the child up the hill a little bit to get a sense of gliding up the hill. And then you can flip the thing around and put it on the bottom of their, or on the top of their skis as they're sliding down the hill and control the speed at which they're coming down the hill by having it uh, on their equipment. And, and the benefit to this is you're not touching their body because kids, when you touch them, they're expecting you to control them in some way, whether that's to pick them up if they've fallen down or to pick them up to give them a hug. And so the less um, touching you do of the child's arms or body, the more likely they are to maintain their own autonomy and stay upright and balanced and figure out how to balance on their own. So the little teaching aids are really helpful in establishing some of those uh, first sliding skills that kids need. Yeah, no, and that makes sense. I'm curious with, uh, especially with younger kids, but then even getting into slightly older ones, do you recommend, I mean, I know there's group lessons a lot of time. You mentioned the the parents and me lessons, and then I know there's one-on-one lessons. Um, is there any one that is better right away and then maybe they graduate to a different one or what, what evolution do you recommend there? Uh, so the youngest kids, um, three years old, that's parent to me, that's a private lesson. Uh, we offer a four to six year old product that's a group lesson and that that works pretty well. Um, that is a maximum of three kids in a lesson in that four to six year old age range. And so there's lots of um, still there's lots of independent coaching that's going on with kids um, in those classes. But the other cool thing is that kids tend to learn by participating with each other. I mean, if if I demonstrate something, I'm six feet tall. I look a lot different than a little person that's you know four years old. So um, the dynamic of kids in a group lesson together, they kind of learn from each other by imitating what one of the other children are doing. Or if I happen to say, hey, uh, hey, Zach, I really like how you're walking up the hill with your ski tips apart. Hey, Zoe, can you do what Zach is doing? And then Zoe will copy what Zach is doing and boom, now they're all figuring out how to walk up the hill together. So that group environment is actually uh, very positive for kids and kids want to play together. So it's, it's like recess, it's playtime. Yeah, that may, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I noticed a, a, a big difference. Um, my seven-year-old got, uh, I got a private lesson and, um, it was, it was really life-changing. I mean, I, I would have been able to maybe get her down, uh, the hill, <laughs> um, at some point by the end of the day, but by go, having that private lesson, you know, and having a pro right away, I, I felt like her, the speed at which, which she learned just was much, much faster. I mean, she was doing turns and kind of ready to do the lifts by the end of the day, where if it was just me, I don't know, it, it would have been rough. So it really, you know, it's not that I was skeptical of, of, you know, buying lessons and stuff like that, but it really, you know, pounded home how, how important it is to have, you know, somebody there to show them how to do it. Who, who's a pro. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. Uh, the Professional Ski Instructors of America and the American Association of Snowboard Instructors has uh, 
employs the American teaching system, which is tried and trued methods for teaching people how to ski and snowboard. So when you uh, sign up for a lesson, you're, you're getting a professional that, especially in a private lesson, we tend to have our highest certified instructors um, assigned to private lessons because it is a premium product. And, and honestly, yeah, we can get people, you know, making turns and riding the chairlift in two hours usually um, because mm-hmm. of all of the, you know, the, the experience and techniques and methods that we use to teach people how to ski and snowboard. Well, what are the, the key skills that you're trying to get across in their, those first few lessons to get them comfortable, you know, just coming down the bunny hill? Is it just being able to slow down with a good uh, pizza or volcano or is it being able to turn or what are the first few skills that you're trying to get across? Great question. Uh, so we tend to try to teach uh, our students speed control through turn shape. And what that means is we want to get people turning and being able to slow down by uh, turning across the hill rather than using a great big volcano or a great big letter A to slow themselves down. I'm speaking particularly right now about skiing. Uh, when we tend to have uh, students that come to us who have been taught to make a giant pizza shape, uh, that puts their skis on their edges, and an edge ski is much more difficult to turn at slower speeds. Mm. And so we try to focus on a tiny uh, slice of pizza, like a pizza that you're going to share at a birthday party, so the slices are a little thinner, and uh, focus on turning the skis to get kids to slow down and turn across the hill. So yeah, turning uh, is essential skill that uh, kids need to have uh, before riding the chairlift really. Gotcha, okay. Um, So in the first few days, do you find that the first few days are kind of the hardest? Is there usually a a hump to get over or a a switch that flips and then they'll wanna keep coming? Does it usually take a few lessons? Does it depend on the kid? I guess I'm just curious for just the average parent coming up, you know, what expectations to have? Yeah. uh, As long as, so our goal is that all kids have a great time and they want to come back. That, that is really what we want. Um, The the kids went on a ride home to be telling their parents, I can't wait to come back skiing. When can we go again? Uh, So part of that is, is about pacing the day, uh, not setting expectations so high that kids are going to lose interest because they're not being successful. So if you go out on the hill and you make a couple runs and on the ballroom carpet on your very first day, maybe you're holding your child between your legs going down and they have fun and they're having the wind in their face uh, and they want to uh, go inside and have hot cocoa and French fries. That is a successful day. You should chalk that up as they had a great time and they want to come back. Statistically, I would say three times is kind of the magic number. Uh, years ago, we, uh, before, uh, call this pre COVID, we had a three time learn to ski and snowboard package, which we're hoping to bring back. But the, the three time is really the, the magic number. Once you've gone three times, it's not, not everything is new, right? So, you know, where you're going, you know, where the beginner slope is, you know, uh, what, uh, socks to wear, nothing is brand new. So that third experience is really, kind of the hump to get over. 
Gotcha. That makes a, a lot of sense. And again, kind of correlates with the, the experience that I've had. Do you have a, a, a list of do's and maybe more importantly, don'ts for parents uh, working to get their kids comfortable? Like, are there some things that you would really recommend avoiding uh, so that they don't get discouraged and, and don't want to come back? Uh, just again, coming with expectations that we want kids to have a good time. And sometimes you know, playing in the snow is the thing that your child is going to want to do. It kind of depends on their age. So if they're quite young, I mean, playing in the snow, touching the snow, tasting the snow, those are all things that are part of the experience. So don't discount those. Those are important aspects of learning to ski and snowboard. It's not about making the perfect turn. It's about having an amazing day. So if, if parents can come with that expectation of, hey, we're going to go up here, we're going to have a good time. That could mean that we're going to make two runs and go inside and have hot cocoa. That's great. It could be, Hey, we're going to, we're going to go and we're going to do three runs on the buttercup chairlift. And that's going to be all that we're going to do today, but just setting realistic expectations. Uh, don't, don't over terrain your, your child either. And what I mean by over terrain is taking them up the next lift before they can physically do it themselves. That's a great way to put some fear into your child. And we definitely don't want to have kids being afraid to go up the chairlift because mom or dad took them up the lift and they weren't ready to do that. And then it's frustrating for the parents too, because then, you know, you're having to ski the child down, you're upset. And then the wife is upset because you took the child up the wrong chairlift, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So don't over terrain uh, your kids. There's plenty of terrain on uh, Buttercup to uh, to satisfy most kids. All right. Well, we spent uh, a lot of time on kids, and I think that's that makes sense, just because there's a lot more going on uh, there than with adults. But you know, there's plenty of adults that you know come to this late. Maybe it's a, a pandemic thing. I've I've heard that that skiing is really become one of those things during the pandemic that people might want to try to do or or come back to. Um, so. What would be some of the differences for, for a parent, or not a parent, but an adult that was coming back to it, wants to give it a shot again? Would you follow a similar path with you know the, the equipment and getting the instruction? Or what might be some big differences if you're an adult as opposed to a younger kid? Yeah, great, great question. Uh, I would say if you've taken a break and you're coming back, the equipment is constantly changing and evolving and becoming better and better. So um, if you've taking a break and maybe you've got your old equipment that's been in the garage and it's kind of dusty and old technology. Uh, it's better to come up fresh, just do a, a package where you're going to do a lesson and rentals and a progression lift ticket and just get reintroduced to the sport that way where you've got all brand new equipment, going to take a lesson. And, and the cool thing is it's probably going to come back to you. Uh, if you're returning a lot quicker than you think it would, uh, but, you know, take that first time or novice lesson just to get, get your wheels back underneath you and, and making sure you're feeling good. And our instructors are, are very patient. And as I mentioned, friends don't let friends teach friends. And uh, uh, also uh, another one is, you know, giving your spouse tips on skiing, you know, save, <laughs> save your relationship, take a lesson uh, it's better to have the instructor uh, giving you some pointers than your your significant other. 
Yeah, I feel like that that's that's really good advice. Um <laughs> you know, finally I wanted to, you know, as we kind of circle for a landing here, I wanted to to mention and and kind of give you the chance to talk about this. One of the things probably holding me back a little bit, maybe holding others back was uh price. I mean, the the cost of gear, the cost of lift tickets. You know, skiing has been criticized over the years for being you know, only accessible to a certain socioeconomic class. So can you suggest some tips for keeping it within reason economically for families just getting started? Like what, what are some good pointers to avoid like spending way too much? Yeah. So if you have availability uh, midweek, we have less demand on midweek days. So take a, take a sick day and come up midweek because we have, slightly better pricing for lessons and lift tickets and so on on our midweek days when there is less demand. So we're trying to drive people to, if they have that flexibility to come up on those slower days um, and it's much more affordable. What, one other option is if, if your kids are stoked and, and you want them to get really good really quick is sign them up for our four-week, multi-week snow blaster program. So that's for elementary school age kids. And that's uh, four consecutive Saturdays or four consecutive Sundays. And the price is between $90 and $125 a day. So it's $90 if you have your own equipment or $125 if you need a lift ticket, rentals, and uh, and a lesson. And so that's four consecutive Saturdays. It's four hours of instruction each day. And it's usually with the same instructor. So you develop a relationship with that instructor over the course of the four Saturdays or Sundays. And um, that's such a great way to, to get kids, you know, really accelerating quickly is our Snow Blaster program. Gotcha. And it, it feels like with skiing, and this is probably true for other stuff, even like, uh, you know, whitewater kayaking or, or mountain biking is maybe there's, there's a, a expense kind of on the front end, you know, from getting that first, you know, round of gear, getting that first round of lessons. But once you get past that, get over that first hurdle, you know, it, it gets a lot more affordable when you can just kind of go up by yourself, start getting a season pass. Is it, would you say that's a generally accurate? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, you know, once you once you get to the point where you are you identify as a skier or snowboarder, then obviously the seasons pass is is the best way to 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 afford to go skiing and snowboarding whenever you want, really. So um, having that pass is a great option because you can come up for just a couple of hours, and you know uh, if the weather turns. Uh, too stormy or you get tired, you can leave without feeling like you have to get your money's worth because you bought a day ticket. You buy golly, it's a seven hour ticket. I'm going to ski all seven hours. So the pass is a great option. And I, I feel pretty confident that we'll offer a spring pass again this, this year. Uh, it's funny, uh, Oregonians, for whatever reason, as soon as the days start to get longer and the sun's out, they tend to not go skiing as much. So we offer a spring pass and Mountain Meadows is open until the end of April. So if you want to get a lot of great spring days in, the spring pass is a great option. And that usually is available, you know, the first or second week of March and goes until the end of the season. So it's, you know, 45 or 50 days of skiing for a really good price. Yeah. And aren't conditions like 
objectively better at that point. Like there's a lot more sunshine. Uh, it's usually warmer. You got longer days. Isn't that, isn't that, would that be a pretty good time to learn? Yeah. So um, the springtime is, is awesome because like I said, days are longer. You can grab a beer on the deck. You know, you could wear, you could wear a t-shirt if you want. It's uh, it's amazing. And the views, you know, once you get, get good enough, we have, we have some amazing terrain that's actually in the beginner zone on the Vista chairlift. So in the springtime, Vista is open most days. And so you take up the Vista lift and you get off and you look south and you see Jefferson and the three sisters and broken top and the view is just incredible. So it's, it's part of the experience, you know, getting, getting up into that high Alpine in the springtime. Yeah. And you know, that, that kind of brings it full circle to some of the stuff we were talking about the beginning about how downhill skiing can really hit like all those like sweet spots. It's, you know, really scenic. It's really fun. You're learning a new skill. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just a lot, a lot going on there. All right. Well, this is really interesting. Um, once again, we've been talking to Tyler Barnes, the lead ski instructor at Mount Hood Meadows. Tyler, this is great. Thanks for taking some time. Yeah, it was great to chat with you, Zach, and hit me up anytime if you have any more questions about how to how to maximize your experience skiing and snowboarding. Okay, well, that was the interview I recorded with Tyler a few weeks ago, and obviously he was speaking about being an instructor up at Mount Hood Meadows, which sounds like a great place to learn. I'll just add a few more things. Uh, I myself have been uh, learning and working with my kids up at Hoodoo Ski Area on Sanium Pass, just because that's my local hill and the closest to my house. But it also does have a great reputation for being a good place to learn to ski with kids. They have free lift tickets for all skiers seven years old and under, which is fantastic for me. And the private lessons that my kids have taken up there are $95 and have worked out very well. I did the year-long ski rental from Peak Sports in Corvallis, which was the cheapest option that I found where you could everybody could get their all the gear they needed, keep it all season, and then give it back at the end. Uh, finally, uh, the last thing I'd add is that I've had a lot of fun going night skiing with the kids. Not only are lift tickets much cheaper in the evening, but bringing your kids up to ski under the lights just blows their minds and adds a really fun element to the experience. And at Hoodoo, each Friday night, they have a bonfire and live music, which just makes for a great time all around. Getting the family into skiing can seem like a lot, and it is a lot, I can testify to, but I'm really glad that we made it happen. All right, well, that's all the time we've got left in today's show. If you've liked what you've heard, check out our catalog of what is now almost 60 episodes featuring Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places at statesmanjournal.com slash explore, along with listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. We'd like to once again thank our sponsors, beginning with the American Forest Resource Council. AFRC supports responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest for the environment for our economy, and for our future. Learn more at amforest.org. We'd also like to thank Visit Tillamook Coast, a great place. We'd also like to thank Visit Tillamook Coast, a great place to plan your outdoor adventure with the help of their new recreation map. And thanks to Oregon Parks and Recreation Department 
which stresses the importance of recreating responsibly and leaving no trace in Oregon's outdoors. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time for the next edition of the Explore Oregon podcast.